Okay, it's Simpsons time. And I'll say it one more time. Don't forget that next week is going to be the Simpsons time special. The second one that I will do on Nazario Scenario. And I hope you love it. Episode number 117 was aired originally in 1995, written by John Swartzwelder and directed by Bob Anderson under showrunner Dave Merkin. And it begins not innocuously, some Simpsons episodes begin innocuously. This one begins auspiciously with Big Butt Skinner. Skinner launches the weather balloon and Bart turns it into Big Butt Skinner via remote control. And that is to set the stage for other things to be spotted in the sky. Right off the bat, I laugh every time when uh, Bart is discovered to be the perpetrator of Big Butt Skinner. Because Skinner buttonholes him and finds in his pocket blueprints for the balloon and notarized photos of him making the balloon uh, as well as an alternative title which was Buttzilla which was not used you know Skinner loves science because it combines sitting still and paying attention and all these other things so he's understandably dismayed when Bart, who didn't even know that there was a 4.30 in the morning, comes to meet him to do astronomy stuff at that time as his punishment and entirely by accident discovers a comet. There are, I think, five times that Skinner goes, no, as a result of Bart's actions against him. Uh, <laughs> the funniest one, of course, is uh, after Buttzilla has flown away for the first time. When a newspaper uh, is thrown at his feet that says, Prez says school is for losers. No! All right, so the comet is discovered by Bart. He enjoys 
fleeting glory and uh, the affections of the super friends. This is incidentally the first appearance of Database and all of his friends, none of whom were as successful as characters as he was. Um, and, you know, Bart doesn't care about the super friends. He doesn't want to be part of their clan. But they, nevertheless, are the ones that tell him that it's not so good for the comet to be visible in the daytime. Pretty soon, panic spreads across Springfield because the comet is going to hit the town and kill everybody. And it's here that the focus shifts to Flanders. Um, and the show becomes very poignant. It's a really cool, masterful show in that there are plenty of rapid-fire jokes, but it manages to be very poignant in one moment at the end. And that's enough. All the disaster preparedness stuff is funny. Um, most of it is, you know, Kent Brockman talking about it on the news. Uh, there's the great scene of the Simpsons all on their roof in lawn chairs, watching the comet and watching the failed rocket launch or the rocket launch that everyone expects to succeed and that in fact fails. Uh, it soars too high like Icarus and the townspeople are all cheering on the ground, watching it, you know, about to destroy the comet, but instead, you know, take out the only bridge out of town. I know that collar pulling move has been traced to something in comedy, you know, in the past century. Ernie Kovacs or something like that. Something rather old, maybe the Marx Brothers, but it's had remarkable staying power. Um, that move that all the townspeople do, they're cheering, then the rocket destroys the bridge instead of the comet, and then they all go and pull at their collars at the same time. It's a very good gag, a very good laugh. Uh, and then it comes time for everybody to get into their shelterinis. Um, and of course, you know, the only person who has a bomb shelter is Flanders. Very generously, he has made his shelter spacious enough for both his family and Homer's family because he's anticipated that Homer would be completely unprepared for disaster. But then literally everybody else in the town wants to get into the shelter, too. And uh, that's when we see the really, really beautiful sequence of animation with all of the townspeople crammed in to the shelter at the same time. And it's just like a sea of faces. Um, and that, the very first shot, there are several shots of that when they're all talking to each other. Um, and the very first shot is where you see Waldo 
in the top uh, sort of middle towards the left of the screen you see Waldo strikes me as a very David Merkin thing to do you know to put in something that is seemingly out of place with the Simpsons universe but a sort of winky in joke to something that it might make you think of Maybe the biggest laugh in the episode is Moe's barnyard sound effect that everyone is supposed to guess. Identify the animal that he's trying to mimic. There's a lot of good close-ups of Moe's face that uh, remind you that Moe has a tooth missing on the side, which is, you know, part of his character design. I always like seeing that. Uh, Todd Flanders, the littlest Flanders, having to load the shotgun when Flanders, uh, when it's decided that he's the one who has to be left out in the cold. Because there's room for everybody in Springfield minus one person in his own shelter. So... He hands Todd a round of ammo. I'd like you to shoot Daddy when he pounds the door to get back in. Okay, Dad. And he, like, expertly loads the gun. But then, sort of, you know, wonderfully, Frank Capra style, everyone has, like, a beautiful change of heart because they let Flanders uh, wander out to his doom. Uh, and they decide to take their chances, too, and be destroyed by the comet or not. And it's great. Let's not forget that Homer predicted that the comet would burn up in their polluted atmosphere and be reduced to a rock the size of a chihuahua's head. But at this point, nobody knows that. People, you know, assume that it's just going to destroy everybody. Uh, but they still follow Flanders out into the town. And there's that moment that really gives you a little bit of, you know, pinprick tears almost at the end when Flanders is singing que sera, sera to himself and you know sort of rocking back and forth on his heels and looking at the abandoned town and right at the chorus all of his friends and all of the town come up and start singing along with him and then of course the comet does exactly what Homer said it would uh and there is a little chihuahua, <laughs> never seen before since, right next to Bart, uh, that you can use for comparison to the rock that the comet eventually becomes. And on its trajectory, the comet destroys the bomb shelter that all of them have just vacated. 
Uh, and that's the whole plot. And everyone's scared that what Homer said actually came true, because that should not happen in any rational universe. The names of the super friends are Ham, the big fat kid with like no hair who likes ham radio. Uh, database, of course. Email, cosign, report card, and Lisa. So there. This has been Simpsons Time. Thank you for listening to Simpsons Time. There it was, Debigulatorinos. Simpsons time through the Debigulator for this particular week. This is a wonderful version of Que Sera Sera by the High Keys, um, which I urge you to seek out. It's a really, really good recording. My name is Amanda Nazario, and uh, I will talk to you next week. Um, I will correct myself. That Chihuahua character was indeed created just to have that joke at the end of Bart's Comet, um, but we do see it later. It is being added to the dog fire in Bart's paranoid fantasy in uh, the canine mutiny. And it's also Bumblebee Man's dog in 22 short films about Springfield. So that was my mistake. Um, oh, and also, at the beginning of this episode, I make mention of a Simpsons Time special that was two hours long that I did. Uh, and if you're curious about that and you want to listen to that, go to my show archives for Nazario Scenario, and you will see it. Hey, 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 that's all. Talk to you later. Bye. When I grew up, I